This is the Virgin Radio Pridecast. My Pride Playlist. Virgin Radio Pride. Steve Daniel with you. Welcome to My Pride Playlist on Virgin Radio Pride. Really excited about tonight. What a guest we've got for you here. How do I even begin to sum up this man's talents? He's an American rapper, singer, songwriter, actor, director. I'm still going here. Choreographer, YouTuber. He's done Idol. He's done Drag Race. And it is an utter pleasure to say Todrick Hall how you doing I'm great how are you I'm really good thank you very excited to be chatting to you tonight so as we begin your pride playlist what song do you associate right at the beginning you know you growing up in Texas as a young gay man I would say that it would be some more of the rainbow which I definitely think is a song that the gay community has embraced um, the Judy Garland I mean the Wizard of Oz is they've called the people in the LGBTQ plus community, friends of Dorothy for eons and for good reason. I love that movie and story and uh, the message of that story. And so does RuPaul. And um, so I would say that would be the, the song. And that that whole theme of that movie has almost kind of echoed your career along the way, hasn't it? It's kind of re- it's been revisited so many times, your passion for that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I love that story. I love, I always identified with Dorothy because I always felt like I didn't belong in that small town in Texas where I was and I wanted to go somewhere bigger and greater. And I have not gotten yet to the no place like home part of the Wizard of Oz yet, but I'm still on my journey. And I mean, I, I love a girl who, you know, can spot a good pair of shoes and still them and put them on her feet and meet a few guys along the way on her journey. So I feel like uh, Dorothy and I have very parallel messages and journeys that we're traveling on do you know i've never been to the state i've been to the states but i've never been to places like texas and dallas but i've heard that it's not easy you know being gay growing up in those particular areas on top of that being a gay black man must have been incredibly hard it was hard but you know i was shielded from so much growing up and i kind of sadly accepted that life was the way it was and I did what I had to do to keep my nose clean and to not upset people and not ruffle feathers and sometimes that makes me sad when I think back on it because I wish that I would have had the wherewithal to know at such a young age that a lot of the things that I was accepting from people around me um, and people that I at the time respected was not acceptable behavior. But I've grown up, I'm wiser, I'm more educated, I'm still learning every single day and um so it, it was rough because it's a very like closed-minded mentality, but I was kind of just so focused on theater and dancing and I always knew that I wouldn't stay there for very long. So I didn't let it um, become like a handcuff on me, if you will. Now you auditioned for the Broadway production of The Color Purple, the massive kind of Oprah, Harpo production. And that seems to be, is it fair to say that was your like big break, things that kicked off everything for you? Would you say that? I think that that was definitely a pivotal, uh, a pivotal like moment where I I felt like I had reached a different level of success when I got my first Broadway show. It was a dream come true. I was so proud to be in it. I was a huge American Idol fan, and the only reason I went and auditioned was because Fantasia was going to be starring in The Color Purple, um, and it was a life changing experience. I got to meet so many people. I learned so much about the industry. I was very young and very green, but. Luckily, they saw something in me, a talent that I had, and they lifted me up. And I, I'm still very, very close friends with so many of the cast members from that musical today. And you touched on the American Idol uh, period. The, the audition 
was, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I watched it just a couple of days ago. It was incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. it's the definition of how to smash it, what you did there. You created your own personal song with all the judges, you know, referring to the judge. It was great, wasn't it? I mean, did it take a long time to come up with that? Whose idea was it? It was my idea. I know it didn't take me a long time to come up with it. I would say it took me about an hour to write it. Um, I think that that is like above, you know, I think I, I, if you're a theater person, just in general, you, it's it's pretty standard that you be a decent singer, dancer, or an actor, a triple threat in some way, shape or form. But I think my true gift is my brain. I'm not like Wayne Brady by any stretch of the imagination where I can just come up with stuff off the fly, but I can write songs fairly quickly. And um and uh, I had so much fun writing that song and I loved it and it got stuck in my head. Um, I never wrote it down. I just remembered it. And when I can write a song and remember it without writing it down, then that means to me it's catchy. And I knew there was something special about that song. And um, the producers tried to discourage me from singing it before they ever heard it, obviously, because this was back in the American Idol days where it was frowned down upon to sing your own songs. It yeah. just wasn't something that people were accepting for people to do, but they, um, but I was very adamant about it. And he said, I mean, are you sure that's what you want to do? He was like, we, you're not only going to get to sing one song. I would strongly suggest you sing something that we know can recognize. And I was like, I'm sure this is what I want to do. And then I sang it and he said, clever kid. Like he was like, good, <laughs> good, good choice. Um, and it was just great TV for them and it showed my personality and it was truly like a little precursor or a little preview of what, who I was going to become later. It's very, you know, anybody who watches me now, is like, I can see that that's where he would have started from. Yeah. Where it all started. You look so nervous when it came to Simon and his reaction after that song. It was like, <laughs> I could see in your face, this, this is make or break territory that dealing with him. It wasn't Simon specific, to be honest. I mean, yes, he has a reputation of being scary and sometimes rude. Um, I think that just as a gay man in general, I have had a struggle with with working with straight men just just across the board. Um, I think that sometimes I've just been so like scarred and traumatized from the straight guys who have said mean things to me or made me feel uncomfortable that even when I'm doing projects or videos, um, I always request that there are gay people and women on set. Um, It doesn't have to be exclusively that, but I would love to get to a power position someday where I can try my hardest to have all you know an entire lgbtq plus crew that would be a dream come true for me because i don't think that it's i think some people on the other side you know someone could say that was uh in in a bad way discriminatory against straight people but i think that there's a certain language that we as the gay as the gay community speak um and i think that when i'm around other gay people it becomes more of a volleyball situation where i'm hitting you know, saying something and they hit it back to me across the net in the same way. And, and we're we're not coming up against as many hurdles because our experiences and our um, our Rolodex of things that we know and ways that we can explain things is very similar. Whereas sometimes with straight people, they're talking to me about Matrix and I'm talking to them about Hello, Dolly. And we're just not on the same page, you know, <laughs> yeah, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is there is there a track? Um 
from the whole idol experience that we can play as your next uh, your next tune. So it's either a song kind of you, that you know, like you performed, or a track that reminds you of of that season, that period that we can slip in. I would say the song I I, I I call it New York. I don't know. Alicia Keys sings it when she says New York, concrete jungle where dreams are made of. I mean, in 2010, when I was on American Idol, uh, that song was playing on the radio all the time. I remember every time I hear that song, I think about when I was in American Idol because it was playing on the radio nonstop. So I want to take you to that period of your life when uh, you moved away from your experience on Idol. And I believe you went to L.A. and I read that you were in a kind of four story house. And during that time, you were like... A, a, a powerhouse of making YouTube videos. I mean, that sounds like a fairy tale version of what happened. I lived in a, like a, a horrible, tacky apartment for a year and then moved to another place for another year and a half and then moved into this poor story house that you're talking about. But yes, it seemed like a big blur. I moved to LA and the third house that I lived in was like, okay, now I have a house. I'm not living in an apartment next to people anymore. And I was able to really like kick it up a notch as far as creating content was concerned because I had a house full of people who were artists that were just as hungry as I was. Uh, they were, you know, determined to help make, help me be a bigger star, but they were also in turn receiving followers and experiences and stuff from, from working there as well. That's really interesting you mentioned that because people don't really know the struggle that you that you had. We just kind of read about the amount of followers and the success and stuff. But after Idol, it wasn't all plain sailing for you. Oh, no, it was very difficult. And I knew that, like, while I would have wanted to come out with just songs and have the songs play and people listen to them, I knew it, it was very simple to me that if you don't have followers and if you don't have fans then you don't have the power to put out music and have people hear it and i was much less um emotionally attached to making a parody about me the beauty and the beast or a disney movie that i grew up watching or singing at a mcdonald's drive-thru i was much less passionate about that than i would have been with my music that i'm coming out with now so i decided to go on this adventure and try my hardest to make as many videos as I possibly could to get people to know who I was so that once I got an audience, I would be able to tell my story and, and share my true gift, which was being a creative. Um, but in, in, if I had known how difficult it was going to be and how long it was going to take, because it took so much longer, I watched so many people do it. But I think this, I think that being on American Idol and then starting my YouTube career were the first times that I realized that being black and being gay in America were going to come with huge disadvantages, especially at that time, because I could not, for the life of me, I could figure out how to make things go viral or whatever. I couldn't, for the life of me, figure out how all of these white artists were also, were doing way less, were less talented, couldn't sing, couldn't dance, couldn't act, didn't have a crazy personality, weren't that smart, weren't that witty, but they were able to get millions and millions and millions of views by doing the bare minimum um and i don't think that they would even understand it they're like wow this is just happening to me and that was my first before i knew that there were like privileges and advantages associated with skin color and sexual orientation i was trying to figure it out and i didn't have the verbiage or anything to figure it out i just knew that i was looking at numbers that didn't make sense and i didn't see anybody else that looked like me getting those type of numbers i only saw white people getting those type of numbers and um that was very it felt very confusing because it was something i didn't feel comfortable talking about because i didn't want anyone to feel attacked 
by me saying those things. But at the same time, I started to notice that it was like a trend and that um, and, and that it, and, and it was like either that you're living in some type of Black Mirror episode or these things that you're thinking are actually true. And there's statistics to back it up. You just don't have those statistics and people aren't talking about it. That must have been extremely hard for you to keep motivated. How did you get through that? Or did it just make you a much stronger person thinking, I'm going to do this. I will do what it takes to crack this. I feel like I had a team of people who were relying on me to survive. It was almost like I had children and I was really, really hard on them and really, really stressed out all the time because we moved into a house that we couldn't afford. And to me, like I have, I I have realized during this pandemic that I have like money issues, not like even money management issues necessarily, but like, I don't look at money in the same way as someone who grew up with money, the way they would look at it. I don't see it in the same light. I don't experience it the same. And for me, in order to make me work hard, I needed a challenge. If you just said you need to make this amount of money per year, but I, I, it would be difficult for me. But if you put me in a house and say, you have to have $8,000 every single month to pay for this house or you and everyone in it, is homeless, then I will wake up and I will work around the clock to make sure that I do whatever it takes to make sure that me and my team and my family and my pets are secure and we're taken care of. So that's what I did. And and um, it was very, 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 very difficult, especially because there would always be that factor that I just spoke of. We would do something that would be incredible. And I, and I feel like a pretty self-aware person. And I would see that some other people would be doing content. And I'm like, okay, I... I don't know if I'm crazy or not, but I just think the content we're creating is 10 billion times, you know, like more elaborate, greater than than what I see other people doing, which where it's surely going to reflect in the numbers and the views and the money and the opportunities. And it, it never did my entire career. It never looked. I had to learn how to like be really grateful with for my own successes, even if they didn't look as great as someone else's mediocre accomplishment. And I don't mean mediocre as in like they they achieve something in a mediocre fashion. I mean, it's my video that would be a full production that took me weeks and weeks to produce and direct and choreograph and edit wouldn't get as much as someone else getting online and legitimately doing a video where they were burping. And I just started, you know, it, in some ways it made me like lose faith in humanity because I think that it used, you used to have to be able to sing, to be a singer. And now you don't, people just have to like your aesthetic and you have to just be good at posting pictures and you have to just be so real. Like, you know, I grew up in a time where no one wanted to be Beyonce. Like that's the whole point of like why why she is Beyonce. You don't need to be able to sing as good as her. You don't need to be able to hit Mariah Carey's whistle tones. That's why she's Mariah Carey and you're not. And like that's why you listen to her and you buy her albums because she's been given this phenomenal gift that singing is a gift and it's a talent. But as time has gone on, we've diminished that talent and everybody seems to be okay with it, which is very frustrating for people like me who really appreciate great singers and then it makes people who are really talented have to dumb down what they do to be able to sell records or tickets and it's a it's a really sad thing but you know that's just the world that we live in and you have to either figure out how you fit into the game or remove yourself completely you know yeah and after listening to you talk about that would you say i mean could you define a song that highlights that time of your life uh, that we could get on on my pride playlist 
I choreographed the video um, with Chris Grant to blow that Beyonce did. Brilliant. And that came out during the time I was living in that house. I remember running around the house and all I could think to do was to throw orange juice everywhere all over the house. It was all over the floors because I couldn't believe Beyonce had a surprise album. But I would say one of my favorite songs was Partition on that album. So that I would say Partition is a song I want to okay. play. I got into a bit of a rabbit hole the other day watching all of your YouTube content. There is so much. And like an hour and a half later, I was still there. Looking back on all those videos, do you have a favourite one? Or do you know like a favourite moment of one of those that you worked on? Yeah, I have so many favourite pieces. I don't know if I could choose one. I would say I will choose like three things and I'll tell you quickly what they are. Yeah. Um, I would say my video, It Gets Better. That was the first music video that I did. Mm-hmm. And it, it was when... Um, when when the it gets better project started because people were committed committing suicide because they were getting bullied at school and that song changed my life when i moved to la that song paid my rent for the first year um because i put it on itunes and every month even though it's not a lot of money now but i'd make around 800 900 every single month off of that song downloading and um so that song changed my life i really loved doing the target commercial because it was such an adrenaline rush one of those things that you get to go into Target. You only do it once. It was illegal for us to do it. We weren't allowed to go film in Target. And the fact that Beyonce made a video back to me and supported our flash mob was just like insane and incredible. And that was one of the things that like really like put me on. We've got um, to talk about that. I mean, you know, so obviously yeah. you just mentioned it, but that that was an incredible moment. But how did that happen? So you you did the flash mob in a Target store uh, to Beyonce's end of time. And then yeah. what and then what happens? How did that work out? And then after that, it just basically became a situation where I, I don't know what happened. Um, I just know that Ty, her her stylist and also like one of her best friends, uh, showed her the video and she was already in makeup and hair. And I, I think he said, you should make a video for him. And she said, okay. And she did it. She posted it online. And it was so crazy because my phone was blowing up so much that I couldn't open the phone to see what had happened. It was just so many people hitting me up saying, Beyonce, 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 Beyonce. And I was looking at my phone and trying to see what they were saying, but it wouldn't, my phone didn't stop getting text messages so that I could actually click on another app. It wow. was just like blowing up. And when I watched it, I like screamed, couldn't even make it through the entire video because Beyonce is just everything to me. She's the person I've idolized since I don't know when. I've just always been such a huge fan of her. And I, I love how gracious she is and how kind she is. And for you to be as big as she is and have like not that much controversy at all, hardly ever. And when you do, it's usually about someone else doing something to you, not something that she's done to herself. It just is, it's just, I don't know. She's just, to me, the most amazing human being who's ever existed on planet Earth. And I just stand her so hard. So for her to do that, it, there, was, there was no greater moment. I considered just shutting down my YouTube channel at that point. I'm like, where do we go from here? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Where do you go from that? <laughs> What's your favorite Beyonce song? It'd be a really great time to stick on, you know, Todrick Hall's greatest okay. Beyonce moment. What is it? 
I've thought about this a lot recently. I mean, that's a very difficult question to ask as well. But I would say I've decided that if Beyonce were to ever sing at my wedding, I would want her to sing either One Plus One or EXO. So I'm going to go with the song EXO. If you're a Beyonce fan tonight, I, I bet you are loving my Pride playlist with Todrick Hall on Virgin Radio Pride. I'm Steve Denny. We spoke a moment ago about that insane moment when Beyonce noticed you. What, what was the reaction like, you know, back at home with your folks and the people you grew up with as a kid in Dallas and stuff? I mean, did they think, wow, the boy's done good? The reaction was just like, we can't believe this is happening. I mean, I, when I tell you, I, if, if you could have the time to zoom into a map to find Plainview, Texas, I think it'd be hard for you to find if Google wasn't a thing. And it was just such a small town. It would have never been something I would have ever in a million years dreamed that I would do, get to meet her or work with her or whatever. So everybody was just blown away. It seemed surreal to them. It, it still feels not real to me. Even though I was there, I experienced it. I watch it sometimes just to make sure that it's a real thing. But it just didn't seem real. It just, it was every single time there was a moment where I almost gave up, there would be something else, another mile marker, another benchmark to be like, something is special about you. You cannot give up because there are people out there who need to hear your story. And it gets really, really hard. There have been so many times where I see the type of, I, I, I worked so hard to try to be an advocate for the LGBTQ plus community and for the black community. And I feel, I know, I see, I receive the biggest amount of hate um, from my own community. And that, that feels not great. But when I go to my shows and I meet the little kids that come up and say that they came out of the closet because I existed, that they are a, 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 not ashamed of who they are anymore because of music and lyrics I've written or things that they've heard me say and that they are still alive and breathing on this planet because something that I did, which I don't get it. I understand why my haters would be like, I don't get that. But the point is, is like, I believe that it's true because I've had so many thousands and thousands of kids tell me this. And if you're an artist who can change people's lives and save people's lives through your music and your work, then, I mean, there's literally nothing that could be better than that. That's why, you know, most, I will admit I got into this because we all like attention. I think every artist is, you know, is functioning on some level of narcissism. But once I, I saw how it was impacting people's lives, I realized that this was like bigger than me and it was a calling and it was something I needed to continue to do because there weren't a lot of people who were crazy enough to give up their life and their existence and their social their social game and, 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 and every person that they would want to hang out with to put 150% of their being into their art. Not a lot of people are willing to do that. But I am one of those crazy people. This is all I eat, sleep, and breathe performing. It's all I love to do, and it's super important to me. And um, and that's why I'm, I'm so dedicated and why I can't imagine a world where I would ever not be doing this. Do you have a message for anyone who's listening to our conversation now, listening to Virgin Radio Pride, and one of those people, um, a younger person or somebody who hasn't, you know, somebody who's scared or frightened to be the person who they are. Have you got like an inspirational kind of message that you can give to somebody like that? Somebody who was in the position that you were in way back when? 
I would say, and I've never said this, what I'm going to say before, so I hope this analogy makes sense. But I think that the cruelest thing that people can do is tell children we are all the same and you're all just alike or to put children in uniform so that they aren't able to express their individuality and tell people that they should wear pants and skirts based on what type of genitalia they have. Like those are not real things they're made up human things and if there was a kid listening to this today i would say we we as human beings operate in a world where we try so hard to fit in and become a sheep when we're when we might be a unicorn or a centaur or some type of cool Loch Ness monster or something you should not try to make yourself fit in you should try to embrace the things that make you stand out and you are the only person in the world who has to believe in you. You could be have the craziest idea. Uh, Taylor Swift sings a line in her song that says something like, "The greatest, uh, the the greatest films of all time were never made, or the greatest stories of all time were never told." Um, and I think that's true. I would, I wish that we could go back in time and hear the stories and songs and great ideas and concepts of people who are no longer living on this planet because they chose to silence their voices to try to fit in because regular people weren't able to understand them. So if you're somebody out there who has big dreams, just know that like, you don't need to be like anyone else. You only need to be like yourself and every single thing about you that makes you different that you try to cover up to look more like someone else are the things that you should highlight. You should embrace them. You should like fall in love with those parts of you because those are the things that are going to make you special and sharing your experience, the hard parts of your experiences in life is going to be the things that helps inspire people, uplift people, make people push for another day because they know they can do it if you made it through this hurdle. So just embrace yourself, uh, chase your dreams, be unapologetic about how you feel um, if you really feel that way and just know that you're the only person on this planet in this universe that has to believe in you. No one else has to get it. You just have to believe in it and know that you can do it. And then I truly believe if you believe and if you work hard that anything is possible. Um, speaking of Taylor, there's so many questions to ask you. Um, you seem to be very close to her. And I know you've you've worked with her a lot, right? What What is she like? I think Taylor Swift is, is like one of the most intelligent people I've ever met. I always assumed that she was very smart just because her lyrics are very witty. But, you know, sometimes people can spend a lot of time with a thesaurus and make themselves seem a lot more intelligent than they actually are. But upon getting to know her on a more personal level, I started to realize that, like, the lyrics that she said were not things that took her, you know, the, the amount of time it would take somebody who doesn't possess her gift of lyricism to create. She just is a genius person who is able to take her feelings and has the gift to like paint pictures with those feelings, um, with the, with those thoughts. Mm -hmm. And um, it's been incredible to get to stand beside her and watch her do what she does. And one moment in particular which really stands out for me, and I, this is quite emotional to watch, was at the awards ceremony when Taylor decided to pass you the mic at the VMAs. I've got a clip of it here. Listen to this. I love my cast. I'm so grateful to everyone who is in this video, the ones who are here, the ones who are at home. We love you so much. Thank you for doing this with us. Um, I love my co-executive producer, Todd Hall. I love my... <laughs> I mean, that's quite a moment. What, what was that like for you? 
Um, I, I couldn't believe that. I mean, I think that's just like a, a sign of, of how gracious of a human being she is. I have to say, I've worked with a lot of uh, female entertainers and I think society really pins females against each other. And the more I'm in this industry, the more I really see it. Um, and I think that Taylor Swift is so brilliant about the way that she shares her spotlight. And I wish that not just people who are in the entertainment industry, but even myself, Sometimes there are moments where I see people and I say, I don't look as good as this person. My body is not as great. I can't sing as high as this person um, or as well as this person. And so my defense mechanism tells me, well, then don't ever do shows with that person. Don't be around that person. And from Taylor, I have learned that like her lifting up other artists only makes her seem like a, a, a bigger, better artist. You know, um, she, she she lifts people up and it doesn't diminish her star power. It actually makes her star power even greater. And um, I've just heard her rave about how great she thinks that people are. And I see people in the media put her against Ariana Grande and Beyonce and, you know, a lot of other artists for some reason. And I know firsthand that Taylor loves these women and she loves women empowerment. She's all about it. And she, she really lifts up these other artists and praises their work and their talents and their gifts and their voices. Um, and she posted a thing when Beyonce sent her flowers after the Grammys. And, and it was just such a gracious post that she posted. And I've learned a lot ab ab about how I've learned a lot from watching her do that um and i try to apply that to my life i've seen the way she treats her staff and her employees and they've all been there for such a long time every time i'm around her, her publicist her assistant her mom and her dad i mean when you if you if you ever got the chance to just sit in a chair she was filming uh the video for are you ready for it and i got to sit down and just talk to andrea for hours and i andrea was crying i was crying i mean she that woman just loves her daughter so much and sometimes when you are a fan you forget that taylor swift is someone's daughter you know mm -hmm. like which i know it sounds crazy but to see her her love and her dedication and to see how how much scott just like they they just they they are such great people and they've raised her to be such a great human being and that's the reason i think more than any song that she could write any lyric that she could create any you know any controversy she was ever a part of the reason why she is the person that she is and that people fall in love with her is because she is such a good human and and um i think that she pours her heart and her feelings out on onto onto the paper and onto her guitar in a way that like real people resonate with it because it is coming from such a real genuine place and um and i have just loved every second that i have gotten to like be around her and soak up that energy because it's like i go i see her and then i in my own way todrickify what the lessons that i learned from her and her team and try to reapply those to to my own career um and it's just it's incredible to watch and i'm always so happy to see her shine because she she is at a place in her career where she doesn't have to work as hard as she does she doesn't have to be as kind as she is to everybody i've never seen her say no to a photo or i mean i asked her once for 25 tickets to go see her show yeah and she not only gave me the tickets but she met all 25 of my friends and wow. she's just i mean it's just i don't know very many stars at that level who would do those type of things but she's just that's why she is who she is now i know you wanted to get another taylor swift song on for my prior playlist on virgin radio pride so here's your moment then you know uh 
What's the one defining Taylor tune? My favorite Taylor Swift song is Style, but I would have to say You Need to Calm Down. It's Pride Month. It's yes. the video that got me the VMA, so I would have to go with You Need to Calm Down. So I need to ask you, what does Pride in 2021, what does Pride and Pride season mean to you? Um, Pride to me in 2021 means something very different than it meant before. Right now, to me, Pride feels more like everybody, not just the gay community, but everybody, the allies as well, coming together and celebrating and showing what side of history they want to be on. And I think that that, I wouldn't have said that four or five years ago. Um, But now Pride is everyone showing up and it's a movement and it is everybody of all walks of life, even children. I did a Pride at at Buffalo, Buffalo Pride a couple of years ago. And at the sound check, I almost couldn't make it through my song because I saw a little girl who was three or four years old holding a Pride flag and her parents were taking her to the Pride Parade. And to me, it felt like change. It felt like if if we had grown up in a world that was like this, wouldn't there be, wouldn't the world be such a better place? Think of all the people who have taken their lives because they never thought they'd see this moment. Wouldn't they love to have seen that there was light at the end of the tunnel? I mean, it just felt so much like change. And so I, I just love to see all of these businesses. I think that it's a very, you know, unpopular opinion. Some people think and say, and are probably right in saying that some businesses capitalize off of Pride Month. But the bigger picture to me is that everybody has to see gay people in the storefronts of everywhere they're going and have to accept that the world is is evolving. Times they are changing. And if you're if you're on the wrong side of history, you're gonna soon be over there by yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Things coming back stronger. We do. We, the final. Uh, I realise we're running out of time. The final thing I just want to talk about you and the album and the tour, if I may. I'll just give you a description yeah. of what's happening here in London in the UK after the pandemic. Things are open again. We're allowed to go out, um, and there's a real buzz around your tour. A friend of mine tweeted me today to say, you know, he hasn't seen a live show for like 16 months, but he's got tickets to see you in Glasgow and he cannot wait. And oh my it's gosh. Be like his first night out in forever. And there's a really great vibe about this this show that's coming out and, and the album. Tell me how, tell me about this, the new album and the tour. The new album is called Femulin. It's the work that I'm the most proud of out of all the work that I've done. It's club songs. And I had the, the difficult task of saying, how can I write club songs that where there's a message? And because um, that's very a difficult thing to, to do. Um, but for me, I think I've always toyed, um, even though I've been out of the closet since I was 15 years old, I've always toyed with and and struggled with embracing my feminine side and expressing that while also still being desirable to people in the gay community as a man. And I think that for the first time, I feel super comfortable in my skin with my relationship. The, The guy that I'm dating doesn't think it's crazy that I like to put on a pair of heels and makeup and nails and strut around in videos and get millions of views doing it. And I think that that is like progress. And so I came up with the idea of Femulin, which combines the, you know, feminine and masculine qualities and the entire album and the movement, um, it's just about people being comfortable to express whatever themselves in whatever way they want to. And I think each song has a level of that laced into it and uh, sprinkled in with, you know, like it's going to make you want to strut. It's going to make you want to dance. 
It's going to make you just feel like you can conquer and take over the world, which is the exact thing I think people need right now with the world opening back up. So I'm excited for people to see the new videos coming out, the, uh, to to see the live tour, all of the costumes and the looks. And I want to um, encourage everybody who buys tickets to the show. Once you get tickets to the show, that's only half the battle. You got to figure out what you're going to wear to the show <laughs> because people come to my show yes. and they're not re wearing regular clothes. Okay, they're coming and they have a look on and I just want to make sure that people are coming with a look I want that to start being a theme and I don't want you to even you know like question if something is too masculine or too feminine I want you to come in your wildest dreams the person that you would want to be whatever your superhero person is like the person you wish you could be if the world wasn't telling you you couldn't and I want you to dress up like that to come to the Femulent Tour that is just great listen thank you so much for joining me tonight Todrick Hall um, I just love your upbeat positivity kind of joyous outlook on everything and how far you've come and those great words of positivity to you know to move everybody who's listening um, thank you again. It's been really special chatting to you tonight on my prior playlist. Absolutely. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. So Femulin, the new album from Todrick Hall is out now and the tour will be coming to the UK in May of next year. Hopefully, I've got everything crossed here. We can actually go to that and enjoy it as one. My Pride Playlist. Virgin Radio Pride.